0: Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything, episode 101. We're on the road to number 200 of the podcast now, folks. Uh, Special episode today. Um, September 26th, 2008, according to Wikipedia, anyway, was the release date of Fight Like Apes and the Mystery of the Golden Medallion, the debut album from Fight Like Apes. I think that it's one of the seminal releases of that era of music, the year before, or, well, I suppose that year. Uh, Super Extra Bonus Party won the uh, Choice Prize for Album of the Year the previous year for their debut album. And I always think of Fight Like Apes and Super Extra Bonus Party kind of in in a similar vein. It always felt like they were doing something a little bit more out there than maybe the other types of music uh, that were there at the time. Fight Like Apes didn't have a guitar. That was a big standout. And their live show was amazing. It was like... Uh, it was like nobody else was doing. You didn't. You literally did not know what was going to happen uh, at a Fight Like Apes show. I saw them a few times over the years because they came at the perfect time for me. I had a radio show on Core Campus Radio uh, in UCC at the time with two really good friends. Uh, and Fight Like Apes actually came in uh, one day. Uh, when I, th- I think it might have been around the time that the album was released, so we got to talk to them then, and I got to see them like loads and loads of times over the years, both at Hard Working Class Heroes up in Dublin and at Cypress Avenue. Uh, and they never disappointed. I remember what do I remember? Crowd surfing. I remember garbage cans. I remember skulking around the stage. I remember killer tall bassist. Everything about that band was just so exciting at the time, and they released a couple of amazing debut, er, amazing EPs, and they're all up on Spotify, and they still sound so fresh. I've been listening to it a lot this past week because, of course, the 10-year anniversary of that first album. And it still makes me so excited from the very first intro part of Something Global to kind of the the tracks that everybody knew and loved about them already, Jake Summers, Battle Stations, Do You Karate, um, right up to Snore Bore Horror, the final track. I think it's all really, really great. It was released on Ruby Works, and it still really holds up. And I think it kind of stands out a lot more than some of the other albums of that era. And I think that they're a really inspiring band to a lot of people. So... Uh, I wrote, I got in touch with a couple of folks who I asked to kind of contribute memories of both the album and Fight Like Apes at the time. And so that's up on the point of everything. Now you can uh, read contributions from other bands like um, the Dublin band Bouts, Uh, half of them uh, talked about Fight Like Apes. For me, and kind of the influence that it had on them both as a band and at the time. Uh, Googie from Roisin Dove wrote a nice little piece as well. Uh, I saw Fight Like Apes' third last show, I think it was in Roisin Dove, um, a couple of years ago. And I think that that's kind of their spiritual home, even though they're a Kildare Dublin band. Uh, well, Roisin Dove becomes a spiritual home for a lot of acts, and I think that, uh, Fight Like Apes are one of them, and I messaged Mary-Kate Geraghty, the front woman of uh, Fight Like Apes, you might know her as may Kay. and I was just asking if she'd be up for a little chat about the album and the time, and let's reminisce, let's get out the crystal ball and look back on uh, Fight Like Apes and the Mystery of the Golden Medallion, so you're going to hear that chat now, it was a really nice uh, short chat because Mary-Kate Ge- Mary is a very busy person at the moment, she was heading out the door, heading to Ballina for the inaugural other voices, Balanay, and you'll also see her. She hasn't given up the the music job by any means. She's in uh, La Galaxy, uh, one of the best live bands in Ireland. What a surprise that Mary Kate is in that band. So yeah, I don't really do much reminiscing on the podcast, but I thought that Fight Like Apes kind of deserved it. I was really happy to talk to uh, Mary Kate, and you can hear the chat right now. Okay, so uh, how did you feel when you saw that it was uh, ten years since uh, that first album Fight like Apes and the Mystery of the Golden Medallion did it fill you with like really good memories or was it like, oh my God, what have I done
1: oh really great memories and, and like with anything um well not with anything I know some you can't, you can't wipe some memories, but you forget the you forget the sleeping in vans and the horrible barfly gigs and all you remember is the wrestling rings and the, the prodigy. And, you know, it's really easy to kind of just, just think of the great stuff, which I'm happy about. I'm, I don't have any, I don't have any big sad kind of memories. I mean, the only sad, the only sad thing is, is, uh, is I wish we could have kept going because, um, kind of when I see what we made together, it seems like a sad thing that we didn't get to do it more uh so I mean I would love to i don't know, I'd love to not close the door on it because the, the anniversary we're, I didn't think I'd be a big sentimental anniversary person, but I have been really with this thanks to you, I didn't even know this was the date or that yesterday was the date um but yeah i we we had like we had the most incredible time, and so much of it was a blur um for many reasons. And uh, it's been it's been crystal clear in my head the last few days um, what we did and who we did it with and the places we went and the people we met. And yeah, it's a really, really um, incredible time that most people don't get to experience. So I'm really grateful, particularly to Jamie um, and of course, Adrian and Tom that were in the band at the start. Yeah, for that whole time. Incredible.
0: Uh, it kind of felt like that was a really special moment for Irish music. Like the year before, uh, Super Extra Bonus Party uh, had released their debut album, which went on to win the Choice Prize. And I kind of think of the t- of a fight like Apes and Super Extra Bonus Party as kind of the two standouts from that era, sort of thing. You know, just kind of trying to do something different.
1: Well, man, we're all from Kildare. It's a it's a it's a very special place. Produces very special musicians. Um, yeah, totally. I, I'm super Exponent is probably one of my favourite Irish bands, and um, it's really hard to get perspective on what on on a scene unless it's very specific. Um, like a hip hop scene is kind of specific to see because it's a very kind of particular type of sound and everything. But kind of scene back then of what we were doing didn't really exist. Like it wasn't a certainly wasn't a hugely spanning bunch of bands doing that type of thing. So there were were a few of us and we would kind of routinely get either huge praise in the media or completely destroyed and just people being like, we do not understand what it is that any of these people are doing. But that used to just be such a laugh. Like it was such a laugh to have anybody say they didn't get it because, because I know that from bands that I listen to. If you don't get it, you just don't get it. Like... If you think it's shit, fair enough, like you can kind of, obviously, I'm a huge fan of saying something's shit, but um, people just not getting it. That was just, that's just a blast. That was deadly. I think Super probably um, have the same type of thing too.
0: Did did it kind of feel like it was kind of ye against kind of like the Irish music industry at that point? Because I know that Super Extra Bonus Party, like Gavin, particular, kind of feels a bit like that. You know, like I mean, the big backlash that they were greeted with when they released their debut album.
1: Yeah, when they when they won the Choice Prize, like it's such a it's such a mad thing. You know, the same people who kind of say awards don't mean anything and nobody cares, and you know. And then go crazy because the Brexit bonus party win. I mean, that was such a bizarre thing, and also, like, and also just really kind of cruel. Like, if you don't like something, that's fine. But to see a bunch of mates getting together and working their asses off to create something really special, um, and win by a by a by a vote of a judging panel to kind of take that take someone down from that is a really, it's a kind of pathetic thing. I think. I mean, I've seen. Obviously, like I've seen loads of bands, that I don't like win stuff, and I'm like, that's annoying. But it's nothing more than annoying. I'd that I'd prefer to have seen somebody else win it. It's not like fucking strip them of their medals because cause that's cool. Like that's that's fine for them. It's nice for them. They didn't kill anyone. But well, not that I know um, that they did. It certainly wasn't a, a factor anyway. But yeah, I mean, we we had a very different experience Super extra Bonus Party. So I definitely didn't feel the industry. Um, were against us. We signed, before, we did our first record with, with Rubyworks, first and second. Um, and we had, you know, we had loads of opportunities because of that partnership. So we definitely had a very different experience. Um, but publicly, um, it was bizarre. And it, it only really drove us on, to be honest. It didn't do what it was intended to do, which is to kind of tear people down, really, um We thought it was hilarious because, I mean, Ireland's just too small to to be flipping on, on a band, you know, because we used to have such a laugh. Like, you know, when we released our first two EPs, you'd have like people whose names we knew saying they're like the great white hope for kind of mixing things up with the Irish music scene. And then we signed a record deal. And before we even released that record, people were the same people, and that's what I mean about Ireland being small. We could see their names, the same people saying that we were overrated and stuff. So that that whole thing is that's why bands are so great, and I have so much respect for people who do it alone because because I don't know how they do it. Like we would turn to each other and have a laugh, and we, and we were really our whole from the start. We were doing it for ourselves and for each other. So any negativity didn't really bother us at all. So, I mean, people who do it on their own, it's pretty amazing. If you've only got yourself and your own kind of strength to to deal with that stuff, that's tough. Um, really tough. But you do get a thick skin, and you also start to recognize, you know, the madness of, you know, if we, if we read a really good review, suddenly, like, we believe in reviews, and we're like, that's great. This album must be great. Mm-hmm. And then you read a bad review and you're like, sure, what the fuck do they know anyway? And, you know, and, and that's only one person. So you kind of, if you're going to be fair to yourself and like reasonable, if, you don't, if you're not going to take the, the bad, then just don't take them at all. And you really don't have to. Those reviews are like one person um, talking about something, you know, And and I, and I love, I like reading reviews. But you just kind of have to remember what they are really.
0: Yeah. Um just going back to kind of the early days of Fight Like Apes, like the ver like the very start, like when did you actually begin with the idea of doing something together?
1: Um, so it would have been two thousand and six. Um yeah, which we like we ended on a t on a ten year anniversary of our first show, um almost to the date in Whelan's. Um in twenty sixteen. So yeah, two thousand six, that summer, everything happened very fast. Um and a lot of people say it seemed fast, but it wasn't. Ours actually was quite fast. It was just that summer and um, we got some songs together. Um, they were simpler times then. You just needed <laughs> you just needed six songs and, and uh and be able to play them live. Um you didn't have to well, it says that the band finished, but anyway, we didn't feel we had to. The, the me, social media game was just not what it is today. Um, it certainly wasn't part. It's it was like an arm of it, but it certainly was not a huge part of it, like it is today. I mean, I'm so horrified what I hear from uh, musicians I know who are approaching record labels, or record labels approaching them, and they're asked, you know, their social media figures are part of the pitch you know and and their uh, social media activity is is one of like three considerations for signing them and stuff i mean it's really fucked um the way that's all working um but yeah so for us we just we god it's it's a really boring story but like we just we we were in a kind of a really quiet kind of folky band and and, and we were just I don't think we were angry, which might sound surprising. I don't think we were angry, but we really, all the music we were listening to, like everything from at the drive-in to pavement to like loads of grunge and then loads of punk and then loads of really, like, way nicer stuff, like explosions in the sky and... um, uh like more shoegazy things. I think I think we'd such a broad uh range in what we were listening to. Um and when we started playing, we presumed we'd be a product of all of those influences. But we we definitely weren't because I was listening to we were listening to very nice people too. Um and we kind of ended up shouting and making noise and then when we started playing our first shows, we used to just it was genuinely really funny to see people leave and I don't understand that. I still don't understand. Like I'm not lying. It was it was sincerely a total laugh um to see people leave. But I think we always had a lot of respect for what it was that we were doing. You know, we weren't going in setting fire alarms off to make people leave. It was very much a, if you don't get it, you're gonna hate it. And that was a that was it. That was a buzz, all right
0: was one of the first was one of the few rules I guess that he had as a band, like no guitars we don't want any guitars on that because that was very obvious like from from the very first mm-hmm. shows I remember watching with you it was like where where's the guitar? everybody had a guitar back then it seemed
1: yeah, I think we liked that as well I mean to be honest I mean a huge factor there in that none of us could play the guitar, <laughs> so um there was that, but uh yeah there was there was always and Jamie was always really amazing for seeing stuff that I wouldn't have seen immediately like that it was that it would make things a lot more interesting for us to be playing guitar on a like the playing we would ordinarily play on a guitar on a on a synth or Tom quite often played the bass like a guitar um which made it all sound more interesting. I mean, that that definitely was not a discussion where we were like, let's make shit sound more interesting. Everyone, I, I mean, like, I didn't, I just played what was what was in front of me. There, there was a keyboard in the studio and I started playing the keyboard. But because nobody, nobody really came in with demands or with a plan and we were all kind of very much at the same level with our own abilities. And um, it was kind of a, like a naturally... And encouraging and nurturing atmosphere, because it was kind of like no one really knows what we're doing, but I think we're kind of good at what it is that we're trying to do. Um, so the the guitar thing was like, and then I mean, we'd fuck all gear to carry around. We were pretty, we were pretty mobile for a band with like synths and stuff. We were pretty mobile because we didn't allow guitars to sully our the whole load of us.
0: Uh, And like Rubyworks released uh the uh, album following a couple of EPs that you released on FIFA Records, which is based in Cork. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that you were kind of signed almost as a live band rather than a recording prospect? Even though like saying that, like those, those early EPs still really stand up as well.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I'd say I think for us, it was definitely the lot. Li- I mean, I, I, I think as well, I mean, someone walks into a room and sees a show totally going off you know they're like well, we have a lot to work with here and then if they listen to if they listen to the recordings and, and they heard so much room I guess for polishing it was kind of a no brainer to want to you know Some, I mean I, I think we probably probably what they saw was a lot going on and a lot a lot of movement for for uh, for growth as well I suppose um, but we had an amazing time with we had an amazing time with Rubyworks and and they yeah, they were great. They they let us release that second album which was very <laughs> uh which was very nice of them. But um sorry I forgot what I was gonna say. I'm thinking about all these well, we- things I haven't thought about in so long. <laughs>
0: Um, well, we can get like into the album now. Like, I mean, it starts off with something global, which was kind of a brand new uh track from me and it sound, like it still sounds so fresh. It kinda made me think yesterday when I was listening listening back to it, like it was a tongue-in-cheek version of something like Losing My Edge by L C D Sound System. You know, you're kinda <laughs> taking you're taking shots at you're taking shots at the scene. Like, do you like my new look, waistcoats or so today? Was was that what you were aiming for? You were like fuck like kind of fuck everyone yeah
1: totally um and we were in a really weird um i don't know i don't even know how to describe it's such a it's such a weird business because you kind of like you draw industry people in by what you're doing and how you're doing it and then it's a wild thing to then try and change what the person is doing you know um like like to be brought in for your uniqueness and everything and your vibe and then to kind of for someone to try and like if the effort is to change that vibe to make it better it just doesn't make any sense it wasn't the original thing that drew you to it anyway um but I don't I don't think it was just like the industry that song is like directed at just total scenesters and stuff who like have a real definite idea of you know you play this type of music, so you should look this type of way because that's the way that that works um, which is the opposite of of what kind of a flourishing creative industry should be it's a really it's a really crazy thing to to try and pigeonhole particular types of music and particular types of musicians when like the business of creativity is to see where it goes and allow people to. Move like whichever direction they want to move in, whichever way their their own thing takes them um something global was definitely it's like talking about singles, you know, and it's okay to talk about singles once the record's been written, maybe, but we found it like really bizarre because we weren't- prof- we we were we weren't songwriters before that, you know, so for someone to kind of talk to you about you know, to say, like, let's have singles in mind when you're writing the next one. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I do not know what that, like, is. I'm I'm just writing what I'm writing, and Jamie's writing what he's writing now. He was much better at um, focusing a bit more on that type of thing, but I just wasn't, I just didn't really know if I had tried to, like, in any way make those writing sessions formulaic towards making something catchy or making something um, hooky for radio. I. It would have been fucking. It would have been so shit. It would have it, been so shit.
0: Is that what happened though? Is that like uh, the label was like, oh, we like something global. We like battle stations. We like this track and this track. Do do more like that and forget about the the other kind of weirder stuff.
1: No, no, not not directly, not with Ruby Works directly, but because it Ruby Works, like we had, we had the songs we had. Um, um, we had enough kind of we had enough punch on it to make to make everyone happy. Um but when like when obviously when it came out to the second album, you know, you, like it's hard to argue with it too, because people everyone needs to make money and you can't just say to a bang, go on and make like the reason people got into you is because of these punchy um loud songs. So I mean there's nothing wrong with trying to remind a band of who they are and who their fans think they are and stuff it's not that it's it's just more generally speaking with the business of people trying to focus you more onto singles I know loads of friends of mine who've loads of them who are like stressed off their faces in the studio trying to write and who have been pretty prolific before but have been kind of made feel like they need to they need to kind of hone it into a to a single for radio where people's attention spans aren't as long. So that's five minutes, make it three and a half. You know, it's a, it's a total shame. And I mean, the chances of even getting that shit onto radio now, um, unless it's pop music, you know, so what are you doing it for? Like, why would you try and go that direction? I don't really, there's no motivation for, as in, towards getting radio play. It's not a terribly motivating environment at all
0: uh coming back to the i'm really uh, rambling (laughs) um coming back to the album like do you have a we'll do a couple of quick hits uh do you have a favorite song on it that comes to mind
1: um battle stations will always make me really emotional we finished out (laughs) god we didn't really switch it up too much i think we probably finished out every single gig for 10 years at battle stations um when we did our final show in Whelan's, um, I think I just cried through it. Uh, it means so much to me. It's one of the, I think it's the first song we did together. Um, I think when Jamie wrote it, I was kind of like, oh, you're kind of brilliant. Um, yeah, I I love that song. And that song for me is the type of thing that I kind of love in bands. There's like a great balance between... Like really, kind of cutting emotion and really, really high energy um, music. Yeah, I'd say Battle Stations. Um, we got really annoyed by something global after a while and stopped playing it. No wonder we didn't work out. Oh, why? Um, why? What happened? I think when you're just touring loads and this one song just is like, oh, I'm not looking forward to this song for some reason. I actually don't know. I'd, I'd need to be. I'd need to be transported back to understand that feeling. Um,
0: Do you think the album ho- hold- Do you think the album holds up? Like, is there is there anything that you were like, ah, oh, we didn't quite get what we wanted with like one of those tracks? It could have been like a lot better or anything.
1: No, I mean, I I know at the time, like the word raw is really annoying, but I don't know what else to describe it as. EPs were fairly trashy and raw and um I that the that album was kind of polished kind of like in contrast. Um but we knew what we were doing, you know. I mean like the only I mean, the only thing is we um had a song Knucklehead that we ended up being a B side of a single and um, me and Jamie always regretted that. it's one of our favorite songs. Um which is the album where the hidden track is so hidden that I'm pretty sure it's just not there. I might be on the second album. Um, <laughs> that was amazing. And when we discovered it had been fucking left off the album, they're like, "Well, I'll just say it's like super hidden." <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um. What
0: What about Megamini? Were you like, ah, let's just put this on this eight minute, this eight second track that's just like, oh, that what was that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I see that the, the real luxury we had. I think a lot of people probably have with their first album is you get to tour, of, um, and you know you like to say that, that that you make all your own decisions and that you don't give a shit what people think, but like you get to road test them and see. Like suddenly people are requesting mega mini, um, <laughs> and that and that if you were if you as a as a fan, if a band you loved really took that on board and stuck it as a fucking track on an album, you'd love it. So, I mean, that was that was so great. And with the, I mean, with the second album, which I love, by the way, I love it, but we didn't have that same... Uh, we didn't get to road test as much. We were writing a lot in the studio and coming up to recording it. So um, I think that can be a good and a bad thing. But, uh, yeah, with that first... Um, that first... That first album, all those songs were, they were, they were played and played and played and played. So by the time we're recording them, um, yeah, that, I mean, it just made total sense. I wouldn't even say we were laughing. I'd say we were like, yeah, cool. That's the track. All right. We're not going to be held by the constraints of, you know, times and stuff. Uh, uh, and, and you know, what's fucking weird as well? You would think that, sorry, hang on, let me, uh, get my phone that. You know, people are trying to reduce down minutes so that they can get on the radio. You would really think Mega Meanie would have been a, a real hit because it was only eight seconds long, so that didn't work either.
0: <laughs> uh, last two questions before I let you go. Do you have, like, a favourite show that you played around the first album? Like, you tore the heck out of it. I remember seeing... I went to Pop one year and you guys were playing. That was, like, one of my favourite moments of the whole festival.
1: Oh, thanks, man. Um, it felt really God special, yeah, it, you know, I it, was very emotional talking about it because it was really special, and I, I, I remember the feeling of um, of when we stopped being really excited about people leaving and started realising people were staying and bringing friends and talking about us and saying how much of an experience the live show was because it was for us as well, and you kind of you really feed off it so. Um, let me think. There were loads. Hard working class heroes who played in Crawdoggy um after the album was released. Or was it the year before? Fuck. <laughs> anyway, um I remember that being being one of those moments you read about and you just think, Oh, like, wouldn't that be amazing? Like just the the room packed out, queues out the door, people really upset they couldn't get in, and then the whole crowd singing. I remember Adrian just did the four count click into Lem Your Face and the whole crowd sang Lem Your Face. Start to finish. I don't think I actually. I think I just burped at the end. I don't think I actually sang
0: <laughs> any of the
1: song. But uh, there are so many uh, moments, um, so many bad gigs, and so many gigs that any you know anybody who's ever played a show before knows the feeling of when there's just a flow from when you walk onto the stage to when you walk off, and you kind of sometimes forget what songs you played or what you said. Um, Unbookfast related, and um, and it, and, there's, and there's really absolutely nothing like it. Absolutely nothing in the world like it.
0: And and finally, just going back to what you said, alluded to at the start, it sounds like Fight Like Apes aren't finished. Finished. It sounds like oh, maybe I might just send a text. Maybe see if uh, if one day, <laughs> one day might uh, might get the band back together.
1: Well, I I think is this like not when you ring an X and you're like. Just for a catch-up and you're like we had some good times didn't we and then you're like we did we must have had bad times too what were they it's like i honestly can't remember those bad ones that bad but i can remember the good ones were really amazing what like how are you doing later you know so i think um i might need to have a bit more of a think but all the reminiscing about that time um mainly the reminiscing about how kind of easily those those songs came together and the vibe came together um Definitely is giving me pause for thought, but I mean, this is by no means a declaration of anything. I will call Jamie now, though. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Cool. Uh, I I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, please.